Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to the help desk for Friday, the 19th of February. My name is Peter Wells and Tess, uh, I thought we were going to have a nice quiet end to the week. What ha- What happened? Yeah, that's pretty much uh, what most of Australian media was saying at around 6am this morning, like what is going on when they woke up to find news that Facebook was going to stop people from sharing news on its platform. And they did threaten this way back last year. And this is again in response to the proposed media bargaining law. This is Facebook putting its cards on the table, but it still came as a pretty major surprise yesterday. And it also took a while to figure out what it meant and how it would work. I mean, my phone still looked normal for a few hours and then things started disappearing. So basically now you can't share news links and a whole bunch of profile pages of media organizations were wiped clean. And it's not just media orgs. There were other news adjacent services I would describe Mm -hmm. them as sort of health services and like the bomb they've all been scrubbed clean as well um Australia there's a whole bunch of yes strange thing like uh, the Sydney Dance Company uh, anything that kind of uh has an official I I guess whatever the Facebook equivalent of like a blue tick seems to have gone yeah um a whole bunch of charities as well like way to look like a villain Facebook take away Mm. the domestic violence hotline details. Uh, But Gizmodo is actually keeping a very long list of the pages uh, that have sort of incidentally been caught up in this. And it does seem like it's an error. I think Facebook is going to to restore those pages and unwind that. Yeah, yeah, they have they have said that the uh the current ban is uh, further reaching than than they meant and and they'll be I, I guess they they flicked the turn off everything switch and now they're just going to slowly start putting the the ones that were caught up back. But as Andrew Birmingham of Witch50 noted, basically Facebook is an advertising technology company that says it can discern the intent of a buyer within a millisecond. So it knows, it says it's so damn good, it knows which ad to show someone within, you know, less than a second of what they're doing on Facebook. But it can't tell the difference between a news website and a hospital. Mm, yes, indeed. <laughs> or it can't uh, it can't find any way of um, blocking any hate crimes or racism or COVID nineteen misinformation, but it can shut down an entire country's news organisations. And a lot of people are still trying to work out exactly what this means and if it's permanent for news. Maybe it's just a bargaining tool. Uh, maybe Facebook is again dem- wants to demonstrate how valuable they are. Uh, to mm-hmm. publishers before they sit down uh, and have to negotiate or arbitrate under the under the media code when it goes through. And a lot of people, probably no one listening to this podcast, uh, had the reaction today of, who cares, I'm not on Facebook anyway, or doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a big deal. Like, it's a big part 
of the information ecosystem in Australia. Yeah, yeah. It's been hard to try to figure out. I mean, yeah, if Twitter, for instance, didn't allow news on its platform, uh, then I would be lost. I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> um, so, so I do feel the pain, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not caught up in it. Mm. And yeah, I guess like Google is search, you, you go and you're specifically looking for information, but Facebook is much more of that incidental mm. scrolling coming across things. Yeah, and uh, and Gizmodo also pointed out that uh, fake news hasn't gone anywhere. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the bigger fake news organisations uh, we've talked about the Washington Post in the past. Uh, no, sorry, <laughs> Washington Times. Gee, Times. They fooled See, you. Even I get it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it can happen to anyone. But uh, yeah, they're they're still going strong on Facebook. There's a whole bunch of uh, fake news organisations uh, that will be shared by your uncles and aunts tonight. And. This, there's one other story that we just need to uh, point out. It almost got lost in the Facebook news. Well, maybe it has gotten lost. But Google mm-hmm. struck a deal with News Corp this morning. Again, Peter, we thought this wouldn't happen for a while and we are going to get a mm-hmm. quiet Friday. But News Corp has said it's going to be sharing its stories with Google very generously for News Corp for them to do that in exchange for significant payments, that's the quote, over a three-year agreement. So we have to do this all over again in three years. Fantastic. Well, um, maybe mm. they should take that money and buy some Google stock. Oh, yeah. Good idea. Good idea. Good returns. Um, yeah. And, and look, I've, I've spent literally all day on my phone reading news stories and I have not, I did not hear about uh, News Corp signing the deal, which uh, if Facebook had not done what it did, that would have been the biggest story of the day and the week. Do you think any of this comes back to, because, you know, this News Corp deal is the last in sort of a string that we've already talked about this week. Maybe this is me reading too much into it, but how much do you think this is sort of like the Sundar Pichai approach to dealing with something versus the Mark Zuckerberg approach to dealing with something? See, I've been thinking about that all day as well. And and I think, I don't think it's necessarily the... um, you know, the difference between the two men or the two companies or anything like that. I think it's more that Google has more in its ecosystem. It has YouTube, it has search, it has maps and Gmail and everything else. And so I I think Google knows it can't kind of leave. Mm. Whereas Facebook, its entire business model is how can I keep you sitting on this site longer? And so anything that it's, it's a far more fundamental kind of threat um, to have to pay for anything under, under that idea of what keeps you on this site longer. Um, So yeah, I I think that's where it comes down to it is is that, um, you know, Google doesn't need to worry about you using Bing um, <laughs> or DuckDuckGo as as an experiment, you'll do it and you'll come back is <laughs> mm-hmm. probably what they think. Whereas Facebook, Facebook has no other competition either. It's, it's only competition is itself, but it still could see negative effects of people not spending their entire workday with Facebook open on one tab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apart from pissing off the government and, you know, not getting favourable terms for whatever they want to lobby for next. I can't see it having a huge impact on Facebook's bottom line um, just because Australia would be such a small small amount of their revenue um, mm. and those ad dollars 
unless they've really annoyed all the Harvey Normans of the world by taking their pages down. But I assume once Jerry Harvey's back online, you know, the people over there running the show will be will be back buying their targeted Facebook ads. But I think that's enough heavy news. Uh, let's talk about something lighter ahead of the weekend. And test uh, for Friday, we've decided to do a, a bit of a roundup of all of the other stories we could not get to. Not that they're bad stories. I swear to God, there's some really interesting stuff here. But sometimes there's just not enough uh, to create the, the kind of discussion that you want around um, a, a pati- particular story. So these are things that we think you should know about, but you know, didn't necessarily uh, deserve their own spotlight attention. So first up, Bitcoin, uh, the cryptocurrency is still going crazy at the moment. It uh, it briefly was above $50,000 per Bitcoin. And just to explain that a little bit more, if you had bought $100 worth of Bitcoin in 2011, that would be worth one point, uh, sorry, $6.1 million dollars last week it feels like every every week is another time to say <laughs> i've gotten in too late uh when it comes to bitcoin yeah the, i mean the the thing that makes it okay for me is i just think well even if i had thought about buying it in uh 2011 which i did i probably would have then sold it a couple of years later or forgotten about it or lost the password or whatever so i still wouldn't be a millionaire and moving on, uh, it seems you haven't been doing enough to talk up tiny iPhones. No, yeah, Ars Technica re- reports that the iPhone 12 mini was a bit of a sales flop, uh, according to their analysis of the, the earnings call, the last earnings call from Apple. Apple doesn't really break out the numbers all that much, uh, but they're, yeah, they're, they're saying that the demand wasn't as high as they, they wanted. But wait, uh, according to Mac Rumors, the iPhone 13 mini is still expected, despite the lackluster sales. And I'm hoping that just means that Apple has decided, you know, they went into this knowing, look, not this is not going to be our biggest seller, but there are enough people with tiny little hands out there who, who want a phone they can use. Did, which um, model did you actually settle on as like your day-to-day phone? Uh, the iPhone 12 mini. Yeah, yeah, that one. And it's blue and it's pretty. <laughs> And the way you manage your passwords is going to change. LastPass is restricting the way its free tier works. The next update uh, will make you choose between LastPass on mobile devices or computers, but not both. Uh, Peter, do you use a password manager? I do. I I, I actually used LastPass for years um, and I changed for no good reason really, but I'm uh, now using uh, 1Password. Uh, it's fine. It's good. Um, but yeah, a bit of a bit of a shame that LastPass. People were always expecting this because LastPass was bought out a couple of years ago. But you know, we got a good couple of uh, years before they decided to get throw out the the free tier. Yeah. Um. In my last workplace, we used LastPass, but I mean, all our software use was pretty cash, um, and I don't think we paid for much of it. Uh, and I never bothered to set it up, and always had to ask a couple of my colleagues for the passwords for shares, shared accounts, and uh, got lectured every time for not logging into LastPass and checking. Mm, so you don't use a password manager? No. Okay, that's going to be our next uh, what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad about it. Like, it's like not knowing where my superannuation is <laughs> or, the, you know, something like that. It's something like you know you should do, but... Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, moving on, then uh, Microsoft, uh, the head of security for Microsoft, got on 60 Minutes the other day and talked about the SolarWinds hack that we've only really briefly discussed because it's very, very complicated. Check out the podcast Risky Business if you really want a good deep dive into all of this kind of stuff. But 
Uh, yeah, Microsoft said that this was one of the most sophisticated attacks he has ever seen, and that the that he basically kind of described it like a, a series of dominoes that had to fall in certain ways at certain different security vendors. Uh, completely you know they had, they had to fall in a certain order and it and it happened and from what they can tell those dominoes were originally set up almost nine months before the the hack was discovered so that is a long time to be working very slowly and deliberately on wearing down someone's uh, security to get inside that's it's impressive stuff and if you are looking for a cheap electric car, some Tassie entrepreneurs are importing them into Australia. So uh, it's a Tassie startup called Good Car Company. And they say that there's more Nissan EVs driving around Tasmania than there are Teslas now. Yeah, this little company has been going for a little while now. It's called Good Car Company. It's based out of Tasmania. And what they do is they import Nissan Leafs, which are the cheapest of their fully electric uh, cars you can kind of get out there these days, uh, and they they import them from Japan, where the subsidies for electronic vehicles is huge. And so, by buying them there and reselling them in Australia, they end up being way cheaper than any of the secondhand EV cars that are currently in the market. So, yeah, you're not getting a brand new EV car, but you are still getting one, and it's going to have excellent value and uh, and hopefully not too many miles miles on the uh, on the engine. I don't know anything about cars. Is that how you say that? <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> uh, and uh, Parler is back online after being kicked off AWS servers in January. The conservative social media platform is back and the new host is a cloud service provider called Skysilk. It's got a new logo and the old CEO, John Mates, is out. He's been replaced by Mark Meckler, who is the founder of something called Tea Party Patriots. Uh, the app is still banned on Google and Apple's app stores, um, so users need to log on via web. And one story we missed during the week on Zinja, uh, we, we discussed earlier that they had two options of going bankrupt or becoming a share trading platform. But investors who, who own 20% of the company, they actually said that they want a third option, which would mean retaining the company's banking license, raising more money, and getting rid of the board. Uh, and the investors are quoted in an article on the Sydney Morning Herald saying that the banking license is actually the most valuable asset the bank has. So technically, they haven't handed it back yet. They just said they were going to give it back and closed everyone's accounts. So it, it would be pretty big effort to backtrack and, and become a bank I, fr from this position. This will definitely be one we follow. And I've been killing some time online this week uh, with a new online game called getbadnews.com. And it's kind of this choose your own adventure game that involves becoming a fake news media tycoon. And the goal is to get as many followers as, you, followers as you can through as many sort of emotional and manipulative techniques, but also retain some credibility while you're doing it. And you do that primarily by making people angry online and, you know, f spreading fake news. So it sort of prompts you to tweet things like, I'm mad about the government, resign, uh, you know, climate change is a hoax. That's where you start. And it builds up from there. 
Uh, but don't worry, the game, as far as I can tell, it's not connected to your real Twitter. So you're not actually tweeting those things. What it actually is, apart from a bit of fun, is a media literacy tool that is designed to teach people about the techniques used uh, used to basically manipulate people online. So if you feel like a brightly coloured choose-your-own-adventure game, uh, the link to that show is in the show notes. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's got a uh, Papers, Please vibe to it if, if you're a fan of that, that game. Uh, back in the day. Uh, really, really great dark humour um, and and really fun to play with. Finally, there is a New York Times doco that is a couple of months old now, but I've only just stumbled across it. And it was, uh, it's called The Teenager Who Hacked Twitter. And it's part of their New York Times Presents uh, series, which is a Hulu documentary series that they have. I actually found it on the way looking for uh, Brit- the Britney Spears documentary that people are tweeting about at the moment. Highly recommend the Britney Spears documentary as well, Free Britney. But um, after you watch the the Britney one, go and watch the the Blue Tick saga of of Twitter being hacked. Uh, it's such a great, beautifully well made documentary, and there are no programmers like that that Facebook one we talked about earlier in the week. Is this the hack with like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos? That one? Yeah, yeah, the one where all, all the famous people were trying to sell Bitcoin yes. um, for for a couple of yeah. hours. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, and and. It's just wonderful the way they, like, it, it's a series of uh, escalating events. It, it, it plays out almost like a, you know, a, a screwball comedy mm-hmm. where um, the hackers involved, like, one of them's like a 12-year-old in, in the UK who uh, had no idea what he was doing and then freaked the hell out when he woke up the next morning and saw um, all of the accounts tweeting about Bitcoin. Uh, so, yeah, beautiful little moments like that. That's good. We've got the uh, weekend watching planned, Ben. <laughs> Indeed. You may, may need a VPN or some other way of dis- discovering this mm-hmm. stuff, but it's well worth the hunt. Anyway, that's all we have time for for this week of the help desk. Sorry to step all over you there. That's Tess. okay. I was going to, you know, cut us off as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a fantastic weekend. We've got lots to read and watch uh, over the weekend, and we'll speak to you next See week. Ya. See ya. 